And so today I want to talk to you about leveling up. And we're going to put our seatbelts on and we're going to dive right in here and, and move through this stuff today. Um, because if I'm not prepared to level up personally, we'll never level up corporately as a body. And, and God is preparing things for us, so we need to be open for God to speak to us and ask us, Lord, how are you wanting me to level up? Lord, what are you wanting me to do next? Lord, what are you wanting me to add to my plate if there's something to add to my plate? Or Lord, what are you wanting me to do differently? Um, so I want to start this morning just by talking about the necessity of leveling up. Essentially, leveling up is expected. It's not optional. Um, we're all aware of the popularity of video games. Video games first arrived in our homes in the early 70s with very simple rudimentary games like Pong and Tank. And if you go back and you look at those games today, if you grew up in my generation, I was a child in the early 70s uh, and the late 70s, uh, and some say I still am today, but you know, you, you look at those games, they were so simple, you're like, why would you want to do it? But there was an attraction to them. And video games have only increased in popularity. Uh, they, they started getting more popular when games like The Oregon Trail, Space Invaders, Asteroids, Pac-Man, Frogger, Donkey Kong, Pitfall, and then Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> Nintendo came out with Super Mario Brothers, and every child wanted to have one of these games in their house. Uh, and they've only continued to grow in popularity. Um, games like Minecraft, Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, Red Dawn Redemption, all popular games today. And then games were taken out of the home and they were put in the palm of our hand when everyone started getting smartphones. Now suddenly I can play games anywhere that I am. I can enjoy Candy Crush, I can enjoy Angry Birds, I can enjoy Wordle or Word Games. Personally, the game, I like to play Word Games. Um, and um, one thing that games all have in common is it's all about leveling up. You have to go to the next level. I mean, think about it. You want to complete the next challenge, culminating in, in completing the game, saving Princess Peach from the evil Bowser, if you were playing Super Mario Brothers. Okay, that's what it was all about, and to get the dance, and to be able to march off with, with Princess Peach. Um, so it's all about levels and how we can progress in levels. So, I, as I said, I like to play word games, and one of the games I play on my phone is, you know, it's just making words up with letters that they give you, and I've been playing this game for years. So, I do it as a way to unwind, I do it as a way to keep my mind sharp, at least that's what I tell myself. Um, and every once in a while, the kids come, Dad, what level are you on? I don't know. And they say, let me look. Dad, you're on level 67,000. How long have you been playing this game? A long time. But in video games, it's always about leveling up. And if you think about it, it's not a stretch to say life is not much different. From a young age, you are taught and expected to progress from one level to the next. When you're a young parent and you have a newborn baby in your house, you are looking forward to that day where you wake up in the morning and say, they slept six hours without waking me up. I got eight hours of sleep. I feel so good. <laughs> then they start talking. Then they start walking. Then they start um, running. Then the real fun begins. Preschool, kindergarten, elementary school, middle school, high school. It's all about progressing and moving up. And then when they finish high school, they're faced with the decision. Do I continue to level up through going to college, or do I continue to level up through finding a career and something I want to do? 
But let me tell you, when you arrive at college as a freshman, or when you arrive at your first day on the job, there's one thing that's expected. You're not going to remain the same. When you go to work, your employer does not expect you to be productive on your first day. Pastor Billy's different. Tuesday, <laughs> production. Um, no, um, because there's training, there's equipping, there's learning culture, there's all these things that have to take place. So the employer knows it's going to take time for you to become, to contribute positively to the company. But they're willing to invest that time in you as long as you level up. If you stay the same and a month later you're asking them, what do I do with this box? They're going to they're level you out, not level you up. So in life, we are expected to level up. Well, I just want to be perfectly clear. God expects us to level up as well. God does not expect us to come to church every week and be the same that we were when we started. He expects us to level up. He expects us to do more. He expects us to grow. He expects us to mature. He expects us to come into the realization of who we are in him. Remember the parable of the talents that's found in Matthew 25. We learn in this story, very simply, God expects a return on his investment. To, to, to the servant that was given five, when the master returned, he had ten. The one that was given two, when the master returned, he had four. And God looked at him and said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But to the one that had been given one, he was afraid because he knew the master was harsh and would expect a return. He was afraid of losing it, so fear caused him to dig a hole and bury it in the ground. And when the master returned, he said, here's your talent back. And the master said, you fool. You knew I expected a return. You should have at least put it in the bank. I could have done that much, but I entrusted it to you. So God expects a return on his investment. So I ask you this morning, how has God invested in you? And how is that investment looking in favor for him? There are several elements that are required in order to level up. When you level up, it is a sign of growth and maturity. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul said, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Even when Jesus walked on the earth, we're told in Luke 2, 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Maturity is expected. Growth and maturity are more than just physical or age. As parents, we all know we entrust our children with different responsibilities or privileges, not based on age, but based on their maturity. But this also has to do with the intellectual, the mental behavior, behavioral, and social areas of your life as well. If I want to level up, I have to be prepared to grow and to mature as a believer in Christ. The second thing that, that is required to level up is there's mastery or achievement. Um, we have to master certain things. We have to accomplish certain achievements if we're going to move to the next level. In Matthew 25, 23, part of the parable of the talents, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Mastery of anything of significance requires an investment of time. 
It requires an investment of our time and the time of others in us. God doesn't expect us to gain mastery on our own. He puts people in our life to help us achieve it. Amen. It's a commitment to improve. The first time you did anything, you weren't the best at it. But you enjoyed it, so you were willing to invest time. You were willing to invest energy. You were willing to seek out counsel and seek out help so you could do it better. Mastery is required if you want to level up. In order to complete a um, and then the last one is the completion of a goal or task. If you're going to be found faithful, you have to complete things. All right. Before you, before you go to high school, you've had to complete middle school. Before you go to college, you had to prove you're ready for college, so you've had to complete high school or do an equivalent GED test. When you work on a job, before they entrust you with things, sometimes they require you to have certain certificates or understandings. So there's a completion of a goal or a task. Paul understood this, and at the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 2 Timothy 4, 7. In order to complete a task, you will need to acquire new skills, resources, or assistance. If we're going to level up, the one, one common thread that we see through all this, we're not expected to level up alone. God will put people in our path. God will put people in our life to help us achieve what we need to achieve. There is an individual in the Old Testament that stands out as an excellent example of someone that understood the investment required to realize the reward of living a fulfilled life. That man is Joseph. Okay, Joseph was the great-grandson of Abraham. He was born as the 11th son to Jacob. Joseph had a unique position among all of his brothers. He was daddy's favorite. As we look into the life of Joseph today, we will see that he was faithful to level up no matter what circumstances he found him in. In the good, in the bad, in the ugly, Joseph was faithful to level up. And we want to take a quick look at some of these ways that Joseph leveled up. Joseph was given by God the gift of administration and the ability to interpret dreams. He was faithful in using those gifts to level up in a variety of life situations. The gifts God gave you are meant to be used inside the church and outside of the church. The gift God gave you are meant to benefit the companies that you work for. They're meant to be a benefit for your community, for your neighborhood, and for your family, not just for the church family. So Joseph starts out with a very privileged status. Okay? Joseph was the preferred son. Genesis 37, 11 tells us, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and made him a robe of many colors. Joseph's dad wasn't afraid to show off that Joseph was his favorite. Now, this caused some problems for everybody. He was the favorite son. Combine this with Joseph's prophetic dreams and his eagerness to share them with his brothers, and you get the perfect conditions for him to be misunderstood. What happens when you're misunderstood? You're persecuted. You're made fun of. Usually not good things come out of being misunderstood. Joseph was misunderstood. Uh, 
Genesis 37 verse 4 tells us, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Strong words. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Because of this, Joseph's brothers devised a plan to kill him. But they eventually settled on selling him into slavery instead. We're familiar with these stories. Genesis 37 through uh, late uh, 40s really gives out the whole story of Joseph's life. Um, So Joseph goes overnight. Joseph goes from the preferred son to a profitable slave. Misunderstood and sold into slavery, Joseph sought out opportunities to level up. In Genesis chapter 39 and verse 6, this is powerful, it says, So he, speaking of Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but what food he would eat. The only concern Potiphar had, because Joseph was being faithful, was what's he going to have for dinner? What shall it be today? Some Nile perch? Servant, go get me some Nile perch. I hope they're biting today because I want it fresh. (laughs) Joseph did his job so well that it says Potiphar didn't have any concern except what he was going to eat. That's powerful. And because of this, Joseph was given again a position. It seemed like things were starting to look a little bit better. Things were getting a little bit easier than him. He had control over all the other slaves. He had some freedom in coming and going and making decisions. He was, he was the preferred or the, a profitable slave. He was making money for his, for his master. But Potiphar had a wife. And this is the cycle in Joseph's life. Things are looking good, and then there's a but. All right? Potiphar had a wife. The Bible tells us Joseph was a handsome man. And Potiphar's wife noticed it. And Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. And Joseph said no. She continued to put herself in places and opportunities to try to entice Joseph. But Joseph said no. And then one day she gets Joseph cornered. And she says, come on, Joseph, you know you want to. And Joseph looks her in the eye. Joseph looks at her in the eyes and he says, your husband has entrusted me with everything but you. I won't betray that trust. He goes, and on top of that, I will not be unfaithful to my God. She gets mad and Joseph knows the best thing he can do is get out of there. So he flees and she grabs his coat. Joseph's coat's getting him in trouble again. He, he, gets, he gets out of that house, and, and she screams. And she accuses him of raping her. And overnight, Joseph goes from profitable slave to prisoner. But again, as a prisoner, he decides he's not going to be just any prisoner. He becomes a promoted but forgotten prisoner. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 21 says, The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. After being falsely accused and imprisoned, Joseph used his gift of administration to run the prison. And when the butler and the cupbearer To Pharaoh had troubling dreams. Joseph used his gift to interpret their dreams. 
You see, no matter what station, no matter what the circumstances, Joseph was faithful to use the gifts that God gave him. How faithful are we today to make sure we're using the gifts that God has given to us? When Joseph interpreted the dream for the cupbearer, all he asked was in return was to be remembered by the cupbearer. He said, when everything I've said has come to pass, as I said it would, remember me because I have been put in here wrongly. And what does the cupbearer do when he sees the, the baker killed like Joseph said would happen? He loses his head. Cupbearer is promoted. He forgets him. Joseph's doing everything right, but he's forgotten in prison. Joseph, Joseph had an underlying desire to please God, and no matter where he found himself, he was determined to please God. And overnight, because of Joseph's faithfulness, he goes from prisoner to a privileged ruler because he was faithful. How did he become a privileged ruler? He used the gifts that God gave him. Pharaoh has the dream. It troubles him. No one can interpret him. And then there's the cupbearer who says, oh, I know somebody. I was supposed to remember him, but now I'm remembering him. The orders are sent to the prison for Joseph to come. Joseph comes and stands in front of Pharaoh. Not only gives him the interpretation, he tells him what he needs to do with it. And Pharaoh looks at this man who woke up as a prisoner in one of his prisons that day. He says, there's no one like you in the land. Genesis chapter 41, verse 39 says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph finds himself in an elevated status. He, he sees his, his dreams being fulfilled. When he walked into a room, people knew who he was and they did what he said. And he was faithful once again to use the gift of administration to administer the land of Egypt. He made Egypt a successful land. He made Pharaoh exceptionally wealthy as his second in command. He made sure that everyone did exactly what he did and reserves were put in place because he wasn't going to remain just a ruler. He was going to become a provider. He would become a provider for Egypt. He would become a provider for his family. He would become a provider for other nations because when we level up, we don't level up to bless ourselves. We level up to bless others. And Joseph finds himself in a place of being a provider for his father, a provider for his brothers that despised him, a provider for other people, because he understood that his job was to be faithful to use the gifts that God gave him. When we're faithful to use God's gift, then God will level us up in the appropriate times. Amen. When you observe Joseph's life, three characteristics stand out to me, that contributed to his success in leveling up. Joseph leveled up because he was patient. Joseph had a dream at 17 years old. At 30 years old, Pharaoh appoints him as ruler. 
13 years, not 13, 13 easy years. Years as a prisoner, years as a slave, years being forgotten, years being misunderstood, years wondering, God, when is this going to happen? But he was patient because he understood God's time is the perfect time, and God will fulfill, and God will reward those who are faithful. Joseph leveled up because he was faithful. Clearly, no matter what the circumstances Joseph was in, he knew that God was the one that he had to stay faithful to. He didn't worry about what other people thought. He didn't worry about what other people said. He didn't worry that he'd been counted out and discontinued and put off the shelf. He just knew if he was faithful, God would be faithful to him. Those who are faithful will level up in life. And lastly... He leveled up because he understood the power of forgiveness. Joseph understood the power of forgiveness. Come on now, you spend 13 years suffering. All right, we don't know how long he was in prison, but that, that first day that he had gathered his freedom, wouldn't you have been tempted to snap your hands together and say, I need a chariot, I need some foot soldiers. We're gonna go cruise around the house of Potiphar. Make sure he knows I'm back. Or one day you're sitting in your throne and you recognize the men kneeling before you are your brothers. He could have jumped off that throne and said, Ha, I told you so. But that's not what he did. Because he understood the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness can keep you from, unforgiveness can keep you from leveling up. Unforgiveness in your life can hinder you from doing what God has called you to do. But forgiveness, forgiveness breaks down doors. Forgiveness frees souls. Forgiveness sets the captives free. And if we want to level up, we have to be free to move in the power of forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. When Joseph's brothers stood before him after, after their father had died, considered Maybe Joseph was only putting on a show for daddy. And now that daddy's gone, Joseph's going to give us what we deserve. Joseph looked at him in Genesis 45, 5 and said, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. The power of forgiveness allows you to see God's greater plan and God's greater goal. All right, how do we level up with purpose? Level up with purpose, number three, when we know your purpose. Yes, amen. If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to level up. There's a, this is an area where some believers really struggle because they're not, they don't feel they're clear on their purpose. See, we, we think that our purpose needs to be completely outlined and laid out before us. But if you look in the Bible, it really didn't work that way. God came to Abraham and said, go to a place I will show you. GPS coordinates coming later. You just start going. Joseph was told he would be a ruler or that his family would bow before him. Never did he imagine he would be second in command over Egypt. Now, sometimes God gives insight into a particular purpose that he has for you like he did with Joseph. But that insight never comes with all the details. Amen. 
And if we're waiting for the details, we're going to wait, and we're going to wait, and we're going to wait. Because God wants us to be faithful with what he has revealed now, and then he'll tell us what we need to know when we need to know it. It's like God understands we all have spiritual ADD. If he gives us too much facts, we'll forget them. So he said, you know what? I'm going to tell you what you need to know today because I think you can remember that. And to help you remember it, you're going to keep reliving today over and over until you get it down. We need to be concerned less about the details and focus more on being faithful with what we already know and have. Paul understood that all believers had an underlying purpose that supersedes any specific purpose. We all share the same purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Paul speaking says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run the race so that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Last, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. In Philippians 3, he says, Not that I have already obtained it, or that I have already been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul understood his, his goal was to press on. His goal was to continue to be faithful wherever God had him. Never did we see Paul saying, my, my purpose is to be the first missionary. My purpose is to travel to the nations. My purpose is to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Though those are all things he did, Paul said, my purpose is simple. So that when he looked back at the end of his life, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. According to Paul, our purpose is to finish the race by keeping the faith. When in doubt what God wants you to do, you continue to do what he has already made clear to you, and you keep the faith. You don't need a prophetic word from God to continue doing what he's always told you to do. You don't need a prophetic word from God to remain faithful. Those are given. No matter what the case is for you, one thing is sure. God never gives you the full picture. Stop waiting for it. He is always faithful to reveal the next when we are faithful in the now. Let me say that again. God is always faithful to reveal the next when we are faithful in the now. Next, we need to share your purpose. It's not enough to know your purpose. You have to share your purpose. Never be ashamed to share your purpose. It's what God created and equipped you to do. It's not enough to know something. You have to be willing to walk it out. Sharing your purpose is part of the journey, and it allows others to celebrate with you when you level up. It encourages others. 
If you plan to level up, you need to be faithful to share your purpose. Third, you need to use your gifts. God has given you gifts. God has given you abilities, and they're not all spiritual. Some of them are very natural. Esther's gift was beauty. And her beauty opened a door, and then she had to do her part when her time came. All right, so God has given you gifts. We must not be ashamed to use those gifts. God, in fact, not only has he given us the gifts, he has equipped us with everything we need to fulfill the purpose he created us for. This includes providing us with the gifts necessary to fulfill that purpose. We must be faithful to use the gift that God has given us, no matter how small or insignificant they seem to us. If God provided them, they are sufficient for where we are now. The gift God has given you is sufficient for you to use today. You just have to step out in faith and start using it. Mastery doesn't come overnight. So why should we hide God's gifts until we're perfect? Using the gifts God has given you is a vital part of leveling up. Next, you need to focus on what's important and never lose hope. Focus on what's important and never lose hope. Joseph showed us this so great. What's important? Faithfulness and obedience. That's what matters. Am I faithful? And am I, am I obedient to what God has called me to do? They're the two most important qualities in level up. Oftentimes, it's one step, it's one action that moves you from the window of impossibility through the doorway of the possible. What's the one thing that God has asked you to do? Think about it. Naaman comes to the prophet. He has opened sores and leprosy all through his body. And the prophet says, I want you to go to that polluted, dirty, filthy Jordan River. And I want you to dip yourself seven times. He says, I have clean rivers where I'm from. Why would I go to the Jordan River to dip? But he did it. He gets in there and he dips once. He dips twice. Leprosy's not getting any better. It's still there. He dips three times, four times, five times, six times. On the seventh time, he comes up and he's clean. If he hadn't obeyed seven times... He would, still, he would have died from leprosy. See, sometimes God's next step doesn't make sense. That's okay. That's okay. It doesn't have to. We have to be faithful and obedient to take that next step, to do that one thing that he's asked us to do. Are you being faithful and obedient to do the one thing that God has asked you to do, or is there something that is holding you back today? Things will not always be easy in life when you need to press on, focus on what is important if you're going to level up. If you're going to level up, you have to recognize God's timing. This is where patience comes in. God's timing is perfect, it is complete, and it is appointed. When we say God's timing appointed means it's not just right for you, it's right for everybody around you. God has put all the right people in place to support you and to provide you with what you need to be successful. God's appointed time means all of eternity has led to this moment for you to walk in and do what God has called you to do. When we wait for God's timing, we find that everything works according to his plan. We have to be patient for God's timing if we want to level up.
The last one, you don't level up alone. You need to make room for others. It's not a competition to be the first one to complete. That's where the church is different. It's a competition to see how many you can bring along with you and how big of a highway you can pave for others to follow you. When making a plan to level up, be sure to include the ability for others to level up behind or with you. When we level up, we should make a plan to have others join us or make it possible for them to level up behind us. It's no fun to level up alone. So make room for others. Leveling up isn't an option. It's an expectation. And God is wanting all of us today to understand and to really look at our own lives and ask ourselves, am I being faithful and obedient to do that next thing? Am I leveling up as God has asked or required me to do? As I wrap up this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. Let's go ahead and stand. I want to ask the altar ministry and the prophetic ministers can go ahead and come forward at this time as well. Um, maybe you've been on the verge of losing hope. It's been 13 hard years. Prophetic team on the drum side, altar ministry on the keyboard side. Sorry. Perhaps maybe you've given up hope. Or maybe you feel that you're disqualified because of something that's taken place in your life. That's a lie from the enemy. Amen. And God wants to address that lie today. God wants to set you free to level up, to do what he's called you to do. Maybe you've struggled or you need encouragement in one of the areas that we talked about today, knowing your purpose. Maybe, maybe you don't feel that, that your gift or your purpose is that great and, and you've been afraid to share it or you've been a little bashful about sharing it. Speak it boldly, man. Using your gifts. What gifts? How has God equipped you? Don't be afraid to use the gifts God has given you. What he's given you today is sufficient for today. Don't wait for tomorrow's provision. It'll hold you back from doing what God's called you today. Maybe there's just so many things that are bombarding your mind today. Negative thoughts, situations, circumstances that seem so out of your control that you're finding it so difficult to focus on what's important. That's what the altar ministry is for today. Maybe it's recognizing God's timing and and taking a moment to, to, to examine your life and to realize God is at work. God is moving things together for just this time. And then lastly, it's, it's making room for others. Maybe you, you've realized that you've treated, you've treated your, your Christian walk as a competition and trying to find ways to make you look better and other people look below you. Well, that's what the altar ministry is for today. So as we're, we're going to pray, and then if you want specific prayer, I invite you to come up either for the prophetic or for the altar ministry, and Billy will, will dismiss us at that time as well. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the example and the life of Joseph today, Father God. If Joseph can be faithful through prison, and if Joseph can be faithful as a slave, Father God, I can be faithful in where I'm at now, Lord. I pray that you encourage hearts and you encourage minds, but I also pray you challenge 
our hearts and our minds this morning on how we can level up, how we can make sure that we're doing our part to complete the task, to grow and mature and to, and to gain mastery of what it is that we need to understand and do so that we can be beneficial and useful for you in the now and in the next, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.